this. Welcome to the Babylene Pastor Podcast. The best podcast on the internet. The only podcast you'll ever need. The, dare I say, I, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> got nothing. I'm like, yeah, need is a strong word there. Um, yeah. Want? You feel like want? <laughs> I mean, even that, maybe. I don't I don't know. Okay, hold on. How about um, casually consider? There we go. Yeah, we can take that. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. One more time. Welcome to the Babbling Pastor Podcast. The podcast that you may casually consider if literally nothing else is happening. The podcast that like is at the bottom of your list and you finally made it there and you're like, and you're kind of like saying to yourself, why not? I'm Michael and this is Rob. Thank you for considering us. Today we're gonna get in some more of your questions, man. I feel like like that like even a casually considered podcast with that background music is mm -hmm. is epic is it, epic anyway. It just got considered. It. <laughs> <laughs> I considered it so hard, so hard. <laughs> and then I watched something else. Oh man, you watching any good shows right now? Or do you even have time uh, for TV? Maybe, maybe. Well. <laughs> I watched um, a pretty cool documentary about the uh, revivals, but like Ooh. not the crazy ones. Not the like the like Great Awakening. The, well, the Great Awakening kind of, and then um, there are several other ones in other nations and stuff. But nice. that was pretty cool. That's the kind not. of TV that I dig and get down on. So look, they ain't American awakenings. They ain't real awakenings. They have <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Look, Jesus well, King I'm, James, I, and so do I. No, I. I certainly hope that one is going to happen soon, because there's a desperate need. Amen, Brother Rob, amen. All right, so, um, just in case anybody's interested, I don't have time to watch television. But I did, uh, I, I, I went to Alcatraz, and I escaped. <laughs> no, they let me off on a ferry. Like, I just don't feel like that was escaping, but... Anyway, welcome back. Said no prisoner ever. Yeah, no prisoner ever. Yeah. The true story. I just need to tell this story real quick since I've got your attention, everyone. There was, uh, well, there was an escape that they never caught the, the three guys. They don't know what happened to them. But there was one guy. The, you talk about perseverance that ends in nothing good. So for 10 years, this man on Alcatraz, over 10 years, collected art, like different articles of, uh, of a uniform, a police uniform, right? After 10 years, he has an entire uniform. Bro thinks he is like, he's going to get off this island. He's getting out of Alcatraz. One day, he's there for roll call. Slips away, puts on this uniform, gets on the boat. Dude is like 10 years of work. And here I, I am on a boat leaving Alcatraz. And no one questioned it. Like, I look like I'm supposed to be here. Well, there's an island called Angel Island next to Alcatraz. So you have San Francisco, Alcatraz, Angel Island. Bro did not look at the boat schedule. So he's heading to Angel Island, not into San Francisco. So they find out he's gone. The warden and like a whole bunch of guards get on a boat uh, and they pass the boat he's on and meet him on Angel Island. So for 10 years, this dude works and he gets like a 15 minute vacation and then he goes right back. 
mean, that, it, the, the tour person didn't tell us any more about him, but I can just imagine for the rest of that man's life on Alcatraz, he's just like, I don't care. Like, yeah, like, like, like I'm not ever going to put effort into anything again. 10 years for nothing. I'm, I'm sure he just went straight Eeyore up in there, like for the rest of his time. Yeah. Just like, ah, who cares? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> no, if you just, if you dedicate yourself. No, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. Oh man! Maybe so, you shouldn't have done bad things. Yeah, well, I, yeah. It's, it, there's some interesting stories how people got to Alcatraz too. Like some people, like oh yeah, yeah. As far as like you're like you were there for that. Okay. So uh, anyway, going on to this week's question, I got a really cool, a really cool quote from Alcatraz too. Anyway, so um, this week's question <laughs> was it? What? Wait, stop. Was it a part of a guard uniform? No, or, no, it was just, okay, I, good, I, good. I, so I'm at the age, I mean, I know we're five minutes into this, so if you guys don't care about this podcast, I just, whatever. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah. so much for considering. <laughs> yeah. I can, I gave you five minutes and you're still talking about a coat. So, um, I'm at the age where like a good coat matters. Like that's like, I don't care about a whole, like I'm, I'm, I'm just like, that's a good coat. I got to like, it's an amazing coat. Like it's, it's weather, like it's, it's a thin, but it's warm. It's not like it, it, it's moisture wicking. Like it's a good coat. So I highly recommend nice. this coat. Yeah. Paid a little you more should, than I would have You should live it. here. Yeah, it's, I don't want to live there. <laughs> I don't want to live there. You get a lot of snow and ice all the time. So not all the time, but most of the time. It's really the cold that, that isn't very good. It's really the cold that kills your morale. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. It's just, you just wake yep. up and go, I chose to live here. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I chose this. All right. So here's the real reward for you guys. If you've made it this far into considering this podcast, you're, you're dedicated. Leave a like. You've made it six minutes. We are going to – we're addressing questions uh, asked by patrons this month. And so here's another one. How do you facilitate group dynamics within with those within leadership positions? Now, the question's not necessarily geared specifically toward uh, Christian leadership, but we're going to take it that way. We're just going to assume this is what they meant. So how do you um, facilitate group dynamics within Christian, within Christian circles? And uh, let me be more specific here. I think what they're really asking is, with a bunch of alpha personalities, how in the world do you facilitate a dynamic that works? And uh, before we get to your wise counsel, my wise counsel is you put people in an octagon. This is like the Mark Driscoll version. So you you, th- you put people in an octagon and then just whichever dude comes out clearly is the winner. And then group, group dynamics facilitated. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, actually, I think that's that's an incorrect reference. I, I really feel like if, if we're going to if we're going to say that this is a, the Driscoll way to do it, I feel like he would say everyone in an octagon, but I get a gun. OK, um, that- <laughs> that's probably what would happen <laughs> yeah. in that scenario. So you're going with like the uh, the Indiana Jones scenario where he just he, he the other guy has the sword and then he just shoots. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just showed my children that clip, and, yeah. and and they thought it was very funny. Yep. I love the fact that that entire was that was all ablived. Did you know that? 
That wasn't in the script. Oh, I didn't know that. No, he was uh, oh. apparently uh, Harrison Ford wasn't feeling well that day and didn't want to go through the whole thing. So he just ablived the clip where he shot the guy because he had like a fever or nice. something. And they're like, we'll just keep that. That that sounds better than what we had. That's legit. He just went yeah. on solo on the guy. Yeah. yeah just. Pew! Yep. <laughs> All right. So Bible. <laughs> How do you facilitate good yeah. Christian? How do you facilitate good group dynamics as a believer when everyone has an alpha personality in that group? Well, so I, this is a this is actually a hard thing to talk about um, because you it, it you know sometimes we get these questions that that are are really good questions and you want to do a good job at answering, but you really wish like you had the person on video with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, you give me get specifics here. Yeah. Really good context. Um, because if, if we're talking about church leadership, okay. Um, then, uh, so I, I'm going to, anything that I say will probably be from the perspective of church leadership. Um, but if, if we're talking about Christian leadership at any establishment, um, then then it will essentially it'll apply <laughs> mostly so um the i've i've been in a situation in which we had leadership and uh some alphas just clashed all the time um and and you know there are times that both were wrong and sinful for it um there um so I, like the the idea is uh when when you put someone in a leadership role it shouldn't only and we've talked about this before um and i know you've had other videos talking about eldership and things like that um but but you shouldn't you shouldn't put someone in that position um, the church shouldn't vote someone into that position or, or whatever it might be, uh, simply because they're, they seem to be qualified based on second Timothy or first Timothy, I mean, and Titus, um, and just because you, they can teach really. And, and frankly, a lot of, a lot of guys get into leadership roles that aren't that qualified for, for it. They're just like the best we got or something like that man how'd you um, like that title that's that's he's yeah. the best we had that's why he's here yeah yeah and and i you know i've seen lots of things in in church leadership not recently we have a really great team of elders and and i love those guys we just added two more actually um but uh we I, i've seen things in church leadership in which the uh you can turn into children pretty quickly and um and start losing your minds and being really selfish and not you know I, and the <laughs> the short and easy answer is um that there needs to be a culture in which everyone is uh equally understands that they um are saved by grace and not their works that they're not that awesome um and and people who understand that on their best day they're not as smart as god and he's got plans that they don't know um and that that there's no there are people in our team of elders who have different gifts and different things that they bring to the table um but no one of us is there's no first among equals kind of mentality which is a huge thing in churches 
Um, and, uh, and then especially as you go out into the business world, um, there seems to be, uh, you know, we're not in church, so, <laughs> um, there, there can be a lot more of a struggle even because people are kind of fighting for promotions and to look good and, uh, those kinds of things. Um, but I, I think humility, <laughs> I mean, that's the key word. That's the key word for the whole thing. Humility. Um, first Peter five, this is obviously about elders. Um, uh, but, but it applies to really any Christian leadership. You could apply it to any, anything really, uh, in some respects and really just Christian <laughs> before I jump into that. I mean, let's just think about it for a second. Philippians two, three, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Right. I mean, there, there are so many, um, uh, Galatians six nine and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we uh, do not give up. Um, there there are countless scriptures throughout the Old and New Testament that give us insight on Christian living and uh, Timothy Second Timothy three uh, the famous um, you know uh, scriptures God breathed text um, at the end of that text it tells us that that it it is. Uh, capable of and sufficient to equip the the man of God for every good work. Um, so the what is in the scriptures uh, about Christian living is sufficient to answer this question for us. I mean, it is. Um, the, just be a Christian. <laughs> Act like a Christian. And when you don't, um, everyone has to come to that table willing to um, willing to be confronted with their sin, uh, including you. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, and that's difficult and that's ugly, but that's what real Christians do. Um, uh, first Peter five, uh, beginning in first one, it says, uh, therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you overseeing, not under compulsion, so not because you have to or because we have a slot open and that there's a thing that needs to be filled. One of the uh, very qualifications in Timothy is uh, aspiring to the office. So not under compulsion, but willingly, according to God, and not for dishonest gain, but with eagerness, um, uh, nor yet as lording, lording it over those allotted to you, but being examples to the flock. Um and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There are a few things there that we don't have time to go into all of them. And you got to talk at some point. But um, but the uh, not under compulsion, willingly, according to God, and not for dishonest gain. Dishonest gain doesn't necessarily only mean money. I mean, dishonest gaining of reputation that you long for or uh, whatever. The, the ministry maybe that is your pet that you so want to happen, maybe it's not time or maybe it never will be time. And you need to bring everything to any meeting like that or group of leaders with open hands, understanding that you're not God, right? So that's dishonest gain is, is uh, conniving, you know, getting, getting what my will done no matter what. Um, and that doesn't have to look like strong arming a bunch of people. It can also just look like manipulation. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's also this picture in verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, no matter what role you're in. And this, this, you know, as, as a, a parent having authority over children, which we talked a little bit about 
um, last time, uh, or as a pastor or elder or deacon or uh, uh, role in a church or as a manager in the secular world, we always have to have in mind that we have a chief shepherd who will appear and we have to live like he was going to appear anytime. We have to live in that way. Um, and I, th I mean, I think that if you just keep basic Christianity in mind, basic humility that comes with being a Christian, um, that's supposed to accompany being a Christian and, and the idea that, that, um, you're, you're not God. Um, there, there is one that we worship and uh, a willingness to be reminded of that. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, and again, maybe I am reading too much into the question about facilitating specifically Christian, uh, facilitating, I'm gonna have to read the question one more time. Uh, how to facilitate group dynamics within those within leadership. So maybe I'm reading into the Christian part, but I think that's, that is the main thing that you start with that if you're, it, whether it be a group of pastors or a group of believers, I think what you said there is humility should be the forefront of that. that like you said, that understanding that we're coming together, trying to get to a point, uh, obviously some point there's some goal that we're trying to reach here. That's why we're trying to facilitate <laughs> some sort of group dynamic within these leadership roles. And everybody's going to have an idea about how that should be done, but humility has to take precedent in that of saying, okay, maybe my idea is not the idea and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, just knowing the time, maybe it's not the time and be, and trusting that God has put people around you to, to, to facilitate that in a way that you can understand that maybe. Um, but I, I, I guess I will shift it because I think you've said, I mean, pretty much everything needs to be said in the, in the Christian dynamic part of it. But so what about, and I work almost exclusively within the secular world as far as uh, dynamics of leadership and things like that goes. And uh, my job specifically, um, there's a bunch of guys that have the same job and we all we don't interact with one another but we all have similar personalities which is why we're in this job which is like sort of self-sufficient self-starters <laughs> so everybody's got their idea about how something should be done now we none of us have control over how the other one does it but we all have ideas about how you should probably do it and so in the, in that in that scenario and even within managerial positions which i've been in well i was in for the last 10 years, depending on like if, whether it be this company or another one, is that like you said, there is a distinctively different <laughs> approach that Christians take the non-Christians. The idea within mm -hmm. Christians should be humility, right? That should be the idea is that I don't have to worry about another Christian backstabbing me over something um, because we're both approaching it with humility. But let's say you're not in that situation and you uh <laughs> you do get thrown you're in a secular situation in which you're like well how do i do this with people that don't have some sort of foundation within christianity um i think the same approach that you gave still takes i mean you should have you should approach it in humility um knowing that and i think the point you made about knowing that one day you'll answer to god regardless if it's in a pastoral position or just in a leadership position um and you approach it that way. So if I'm trying to you know, facilitate, just to give an example, some sort of dynamic within a group of people that are all very, very opinionated, um, the idea in which I approach that, especially if they don't have any sort of foundation within scripture or any sort of biblical morality, uh, is try to at least 
set forth this, this there's an end goal <laughs> there's a purpose here if you all eat each other we don't get there um, and I think at the end of the day, and I don't know if you hinted at it in this episode or last episode, but Christian morality makes everything better. Uh, the Bible hmm. will make everything better. So as much as people hate the whole idea of like, well, you can't be, you know, you shouldn't be in leadership in the government and try to put Christian morality on everybody. The reason you have some sort of even stability at all is because of Christian morality. But I digress. So as leaders, if you're trying, if you are in the position and you're asking, well, how do I facilitate um, some sort of uh, group dynamic with a bunch of people that have opinions, I would say do it in the in, in a biblical way. So whether it be in a way with Christians in which you can really lean heavily on the, hey, you, you guys are all supposed to be like Christ here, and you're not, or whether you're in a situation in which nobody gives two craps about anything you have to say about Jesus, uh, facilitating that is this idea of like, hey, we have this end goal, we have this purpose to reach, and you, if you're the one trying to facilitate that dynamic, you're leading in a Christian manner, right? So you're setting the tone, you're setting the pace, you're setting the dynamic, and you're the one that is, um, you're being Jesus in that situation, I guess is the best way to say that. You're, you're leading in that way. And I can tell you from working in in the secular world, quote unquote, for my entire life, that makes a difference. When you have a leader above you that does that, that makes a difference. Even with those that don't have any sort of religious background at all, the tone is different. Um, mm -hmm. The compassion is different. I've had bosses that were believers and led very well because they understood the humility part of it and they understood that they were going to be held accountable for how they led. I've also been under people that were very pagan and uh, would backstab, play favorites, and uh, cheat the system as much as they could for their benefit. And the outcome is different and it doesn't facilitate <laughs> a group dynamic that's helpful. Um, mm -hmm. So I think if, if you're you know, the patron that's asking this, how do I do this well? Do it as outlined in scripture using, I mean, even the, the scripture that you use there, Rob, in, in, in Peter, is this idea that you understand that you will answer one day to God. And when you process it that way, you, the direction you give to those underneath you or the direction you give to the group in order to how, how to do things well is going to be fair, it's going to be honest, and it's going to be upfront. Um, and whether you want to or not, you're going to address all three of those things because that dynamic is going to be at play. Someone's going to come up to you and say, hey, can we cheat the system a little this way and for our benefit? And you're going to have to make the call that we're not going to do that. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think it's really funny uh, where people are like, well, you need to keep your Christian beliefs out of this, out of the other thing. That is impossible, guys. That's impossible. Uh, I train it should be. <laughs> I train people at my job occasionally uh, and I, I routinely tell them, look, you are going to have an opportunity in this position to, to cheat the system in, for your own benefit. And I'm not going to, you, you're going to have to make that call, but I'm telling you, I, I can tell you right now how to cheat it, but I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to tell you not to do it. Is it going to benefit you? Could I make more money by cheating the system? A hundred percent. I could, am I going to cheat the system? for my benefit. I'm not. And maybe no one knows about that later, but the idea is that I know that. 
And I know I'm going to have to answer for that eventually if I do. Even if not on this planet, I'm going to stand before God one day and have to answer for that. And I think mm-hmm. if you're if you're facilitating that group dynamic as a believer with a bunch of alphas in the room, your example, um, whether it makes a direct impact then or maybe later, um, is going to make an impact. So how to do that? Lead like Jesus. Lead as Scripture tells you to lead as a believer. So you have you have integrity. So I mean, just and again, I know that some of these are specifically for pastoral leadership, but most of these apply to all believers, right? Show that you have self control. Show that you you have some wisdom. Have a good reputation. Be hospitable. I mean, all of these things Chris, Christians should be notes of believers especially believers in leadership positions, whether they be in the church or outside the church. And in so doing, you're going to be purposefully or not purposefully facilitating the dynamic for that group regardless. You're setting a tone. Um, and don't <laughs> don't think that you're not going to have challengers to that tone because there's going <laughs> to be somebody in that group that steps up at some point and says, "Yeah, but we could do we can make more money this way or we could cheat the system this way." And are going to challenge your your you trying to set the group dynamic of honesty and uprightness. And so um, that will come, but at the end of the day, I think the way you do that well and with integrity is to stick to scripture um, even when it's challenged and nobody else wants to do it. So and that's from a secular perspective. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I've, I've, this is the first time I've been full time, um, in, uh, full time in uh, this kind of role. So, I mean, I've had a lot of that same kind of, um, mm-hmm. uh, secular job influence sort of a thing. And I think that the one, one thing that, um, you know, if you're going to put lenses on to see your uh, secular job through, um, I think that what the first, the first and foremost thing that you have to do, and this, this, everything that, that you said, Michael, is, is perfect uh, for what I'm about to say. But I, the, the first and foremost thing that you have to do is, is understand that no job for the Christian is secular. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you, you are, um, if we're talking about church leadership, um, you're still a discipler, uh, you're still a disciple maker. Um, if we're talking about, um, you know, a a job outside of the church or like a, like what you do, Michael, or I've worked in the oil field or, um, uh, whatever job you might have. Um, then you're an evangelist. <laughs> I mean, those are the two options. Um, those are the, the, that, and those are the lenses through which you have to look. Um, it, it, it can't be treated like a separate thing. Um, like it's not, uh, like it's not you, you're called to be an evangelist. You're called to do the work of an evangelist. Um, I think about all of the, um, the tech texts that even here in first Peter, just a couple chapters before in chapter two, it says, be subject for the sake of the Lord to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do good. Now this, these first two, um, uh, examples are examples of, uh, government authority. 
Um, uh, but he says, for such is the will of God that by doing good, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Um, I mean, he goes on a little bit with that, but the, the idea though is in a, in a work environment, unless you're the owner and CEO of your own company, um, you, you have somebody over you, a human over you, regardless, you have God over you. He's the boss, right? Um, and you work for him. <laughs> if you're, if, if no job is secular, that's the idea. You, you work chiefly and firstly for God while you're there. But, um, but, but I mean, the work environment is a little bit different in the sense that we subject ourselves to that authority. Um, it's a contract, um, and, and you can quit anytime <laughs> and do something different. Um, that's the way that, that the, the world works. But, um, but as someone who accepted the terms of whatever job you have, you in subject, in accepting that position, um, you have, you have also said in that acceptance that you'll abide by, um, the, the rules that you'll obey the authority over you there. Um, so I think it really just becomes about leading by example in any situation. Um, and that's in church leadership or any secular job you are, you are there. If you lead humbly, um, and, and with integrity, um, and look at, look at the qualifications for an elder in, in first Timothy and, and, and Titus. And the, the only two that are mentioned that are not character issues, um, are, uh, as, aspiring to be an elder, <laughs> um, and, uh, able to teach and, uh, everything else, everything else should describe every godly person. Um, it should be a description of, of what it means to be godly. And it is. And so, uh, the, the integrity, a good reputation with outsiders, those kinds of things, th that's, that's what you shoot for. Um, and so it's not even about, uh, facilitating necessarily first, as much as it's about exampling and, and, um, you know, chances are your work around a bunch of people who, or a few people, how, you know, whatever, um, who don't, who don't know Christ. And that's the big problem. That's the problem in their life. And you have to go into it with that, with that attitude and that, that knowledge driving what you do and say, but yeah, well, hopefully that answers the question a bit. I know it's a very general answer. It's not very specific, but I think it does, it does the, the specific instance, like you mentioned at the very top of the podcast, does matter like because that that's mm -hmm. uh, like the the instance really does matter how the dynamics are already set up there but in general the overall idea is that um if you're leading and you're trying to set up some sort of leadership you know interpersonal dynamic with a bunch of people the best way like you just said is by example it be somebody that is worth following after even if you're not the head person right i've worked with people before that i respected more that were on my team that were my peers than the person that was above me because they were more uh respectable and their example was much better than the person above so be that person so if you want the group dynamic to be better be the person that sets that example if you want the group to be yep. more uh, honest be that be the bar for that, not in an arrogant way, but just in a way that says, like, I'm just not going to do that. Like, I'm going to be upright in everything I do and uh, be the person that will not compromise on those things, even when it does cost you things. Um, 
and be clear about why you're doing that. It's really easy. And this has been something that I'll be done after I say this, but it's been really revealing to me on a personal level where I've had opportunities to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. And they go, well, why aren't you going to do that? And then I really have to say, well, I just don't feel like it. Or I just think this is wrong and I'm a believer, so I don't do that. It's really easy. I found it super easy in my own head to be like, well, I just don't think it's the right thing and not explain why I don't think it's the right thing. Right. I think that's Mm -hmm. one of those things as believers It's really easy for us to be like, well, I just think it's wrong and not explain why we think it's wrong. Why am I not stealing money from the company? I just don't think you should. Well, it's because I'm a believer and I don't think that's the, that's why I don't think it's the right thing to do. Um, not because I think there's, you know, the the company screwed me over, so I'm going to screw the company over. No, it's just, I'm a believer. And even if I get (laughs) screwed over, that doesn't mean I have the right as a believer. I don't think it's, I have the right to screw them over just because they're messing with me. And it's that, that is the, 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 the really interesting thing that I found that starts conversations with people about, so Christians don't do this. Um, mm-hmm. and you really have that conversation other than just, oh, you just have a different morality than me. No, I, I mean, yes, but here's the reason why, um, you don't do that. Yeah. So I think, I think that's important as believers. Like you said, there's not a secular job for the believer, for the believer. Ultimately, the reason I, the reason I try to do the best at my job or in my marriage or at whatever I'm doing, isn't because somebody above me is going to fire me. It's because ultimately I want to be, uh, uh, given 110% all the time because I know I'm going to answer to God one day and I don't want to be like, well, I, you know, I, I gave it 90% in marriage. <laughs> I hope that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, and so that's one of those things where, yeah. um, as a believer, it's like ultimately one day I'm going to stand before the one that created me and everything I see. And I want to say not on my own good works did I do this, but you gave me these gifts and I want to make sure that I, I, I utilize them the best I could. Um, with the time that I had. And I think as believers, that's a mind shift that really changes things. It's like, yeah, you have a crappy job. Who cares? Do the best at the crappy job you have. Um, Yeah, your boss, not perfect. Never going to be perfect. And if that was you, same thing. You're not going to be great at it either. Mm -hmm. Do the best that you can with what you have. Um, And in, in, in so doing you will inadvertently facilitate something. <laughs> it may be anger towards you, or it may just be the example that everyone else needs to, you know, maybe it's, maybe it is you being the only honest person or one of the only honest people that actually then God uses to plant the seed of evangelism for other people in ways that you would have never thought. I'm not saying that's an example that I have right now, but I'm just saying that who knows what God will do in your work or in your family or in your relationships where you actually, I don't know, do what the Bible says and see how that works out. So (laughs) that's what I have. Yeah. I would, I would just end with, and I'm assuming that we're ending. Uh, We are. You're right assumption. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I, uh, Michael is the one with the clock, not me. Um, So I, I I would just add in, in the end of that, something that is a pet peeve of mine. Um, When, when we think about evangelism in, in the, in the world, um, you know, and you could be specifically talking about this scenario, this a, a job outside of the church. Um, it it is it's not enough. And you alluded to this already, but it's not enough to just say like what you were talking about to, to just say, well, I just don't think that's right. Um, and we have so much of Christianity that does that and lives like that. And 
and we're so afraid to just say, well, um, uh, God says in his word, <laughs> he said that vengeance is his. He's going to be the one that repays evil uh, or, uh, with uh, their works. Um, he's going to be the one to, to, um, to avenge any wrong done to me. Um, and so it's not my play. I mean, it's, it's good. People need to hear from you the word. And, and this is why, this is why, um, you, that, that stupid St. Francis of uh, that, that quote infuriates me, um, because of how often people use it, um, when, and, you know, I've heard people talk about it's maybe not even him who said it, but yeah, I've heard that as well. I don't even um, know anymore what to believe. I have no idea, but Yeah. You know, truth is relative anyway. But um, when he, <laughs> he, that was sarcasm. If you're just listening, um, but <laughs> but when when people use that all the time as an excuse to not uh, to not engage really, um, and, and the idea is preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Um, that's the quote. Uh, but but let me just say, it's always necessary. <laughs> to use words. You you can't preach the gospel. You can be a good citizen. I mean, you can live like a Christian. Um, you can you can get to a point where someone might say, wow, look at his life. Um, what's different about that person? I mean, you can certainly get there, but you cannot preach the gospel without using words. The gospel is made up of words. Um, and so, so, uh, I, I get the sentiment behind it, but, but we have to stop having excuses like that, uh, because, uh, the, the world is the way that the world is right now because Christians haven't used words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, guys. Well, hopefully that answers the question. And if that wasn't your question, which it was literally only one person's question, so the rest of you, that was just advice. If that was good advice, or if you found that helpful, or if you just entirely disagree, make sure you let us know in the <laughs> comment section below. Um, the loudest people are usually the ones that disagree. So let us know below. I'll read it. I'll ignore it. And I'll move on. Uh, or <laughs> you can share with your friends, and they can all come and give their input to whatever feeds the algorithm i could care less you you could like it or dislike it i hope that it was helpful for you though and if it was make sure you subscribe and if it wasn't make sure you subscribe because we're going to have a whole lot more content coming out that you disagree with and you're going to want to catch that we'll see you next time goodbye bye